0: Everybody say amen. Amen. Y'all look at me so serious when I bring that up. Some of you are terrified to come. He's going to step all over my toes. No, 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 no. I'm just going to illuminate you. All right. Now let's look at what the Bible says about the Christmas season. I love this verse. It says All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through who, everyone? The prophet. The virgin will be with child. And will give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. Well, let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word today. And I pray with all of my heart that this speaks to us, that it wakes people up, that it helps us to realize the days in which we live and what God has done and is going to do. Thank you for your word coming alive in Jesus' name. Now you breathe a prayer and say, Lord, speak to me today. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Christmas is a two-act play. Now I love the the prophets and what the Bible has to say about the coming of Jesus Christ. It's amazing that the prophets had a 100% accurate batting record when they predicted the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want you to notice that Matthew refers to the prophets. He says, what we just read about a virgin conceiving is spoken by the prophets. It was something the prophets said. Now, keeping that in mind, because that was an amazing prediction, I mean, you're either real right or real wrong about that one. A virgin shall conceive. Mary was every bit as much a virgin when she was eight months pregnant as she was before she was pregnant. Only God can do that. Now, when you look at what the prophets said about Jesus Christ, let me look at just a few other things. What else did the prophets say about Jesus? The prophets and all of Israel with them, all the people of God, the Jewish people back in those days, looked forward to what they called the day of the Lord. They were looking forward to the day of the Lord. When the Messiah would come, defeat his enemies, sanctify his people, establish his kingdom, and rule in peace and righteousness with a scepter of righteousness over a joyful and obedient people, sin would be vanquished and the Messiah would rule. They saw him in a political, kingly position. This is something the prophets said about the coming of the Messiah. The coming of the Messiah, to them, meant the end of this age. It would close out time and history as they knew it. And the beginning of a new age to come. Very, very powerful stuff. It meant the the establishment of the eternal kingdom of God. uh, On earth, not just in a place called heaven, but that earth would be renovated, redone, remade. And the Messiah would rule in kingship over that new world, that new earth, and it would fulfill all of God's promises, a new day of glory and joy and happiness and peace. And they longed for this and looked forward to it, and they believed that that when the Messiah came, this is what would happen. Isaiah painted the picture beautifully. You ought to read about it in the book of Isaiah. He says, the lion will lay down with the lamb. Can you imagine that? Swords of war, would be beaten into gardening tools. Violence would totally disappear. We would no longer need the sun or the moon for light, for the Lord would literally be the light that lightens the earth. This is spoken about in the book of Revelations as well. As a matter of fact, that is going to happen. But he saw this time of incredible peace. But now, catch this with me. They saw this coming, but then God began to deal with them concerning another aspect of the Messiah that confused them. It perplexed them. They saw not a triumphant ruling Messiah, but they began to see a suffering Messiah, unlike the one they had first seen. It was the prophet Isaiah again who saw this seemingly contradictory picture of two Messiahs. He saw a man of sorrows, despised, rejected, suffering, bearing our griefs, carrying our sorrows. He saw the Lord God laying on him the iniquity of us all. Not a political ruler, but a sacrificed lamb. Seemingly polar opposites. He did not see the political ruler only, but he saw this other suffering man we turn our face from him we will not look at him there is no beauty in him that we would desire him a different messiah altogether they took these contradictory pictures and they began to seek God about what in the world this would mean as a matter of fact you can read in Peter's letter to the church that Isaiah and company all the other prophets wanted to understand what is this we're seeing we're seeing a political ruler And we're seeing somebody suffering, being terribly treated. Not someone in charge, but someone suffering brutally at the hands of people. What is this? Listen to what Peter wrote. He said this salvation was something even the prophets wanted to know more about when they prophesied about this gracious salvation prepared for you. They wondered what time or situation the Spirit of Christ within them was talking about when He told them in advance about Christ's suffering and His great glory afterward. Now catch that. The Spirit of Christ was in the prophets. And they saw a suffering Messiah and they saw a Messiah in great glory. They saw these polar opposites and they they wanted to understand it and they never really did fully grasp it. It would take Jesus coming in the new covenant for it to all make sense. They saw a lamb and a lion, a despised Messiah and a celebrated Messiah, a baby born in a stable and a king ruling the world. Some of the prophets foresaw that the Messiah would suffer, and others saw that He would be a powerful ruler on the earth. Help me understand it, God. In the Old Testament, they wanted to see it. But the sufferings and the glory of the Messiah fit together. And this is what they didn't get. In God's plan, there would be two comings of the Messiah. once to suffer and a second time to gather His people into His kingdom and judge unbelievers. Those two comings are why I tell you that Christmas is a two-act play. Because we've only seen Act 1. Act 2 is coming. And that's what I'm going to preach to you today and declare to you today with all confidence that the same prophets that prophesied the coming of Jesus. They nailed His birthplace. It would be Bethlehem. They nailed His lineage. They said where He would come from. They described so many different events about Him that if you covered the state of Texas in silver dollars from one end to the other, the odds of their prediction coming true would be silver dollars covering Texas feet deep The same ones who predicted he was coming to Bethlehem also said he's coming back. Christmas is a two-act play. We are in Act 1. We're about to see Act 2. Now follow me carefully. This double-pronged prophecy, this double-pronged prophecy of a sufferer and a, and a political ruler was also misinterpreted by the disciples. They thought when they met Jesus, hey, this is it. He he raises the dead, he heals the sick, he speaks like no man ever spoke. He will soon take over Rome, deliver us from Roman tyranny, and we are about to see the new kingdom ushered into the earth. Can you imagine how dismayed they were and how confused they were when after they had left everything to follow Jesus, he turned to them one day and said, Yes, and the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. Killed? We thought you were going to take over Rome. We thought you were going to deliver us. How in the world can you defeat our enemies, establish the kingdom, fulfill all the promises? If you are rejected by Israel and killed like a criminal... Lord, what are you talking about where Peter stood in front of him and said, far be it from you, Lord, that you would go to some cross. And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan, for you savor not the things that be of God, but the things that be of men. You don't get it, Simon Peter. You're not going to get it until after the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and revealed to you what I'm all about. I didn't come to take over at first. I came to die first. That's why I'm here. I'm here to suffer for the sins of men. Get out of my way, Simon Peter. Don't appeal to my emotions. Don't try to dissuade me from the cross because the cross has got to happen. If the cross does not happen, I don't rule the world one day. I've got to die before I can come back and rule the world. So I want you to get it today, church. Christmas is a two-act play. Act one was the babe born of a virgin in Bethlehem a little over 2,000 years ago. And guess what? Right now, it's intermission time, and I need to dismiss the families who are going back there to see their kids. There they go. I forgot all about that. God bless you, kids. I thought I was preaching bad. Everybody say, praise the Lord. I thought I was pre. I said, Man. I hadn't emptied them out like this in a long time. (laughs) You know how that feels, Tim? I said, "Uh uh-oh, I got a whole clan mad at me. (laughs) Bye. All right. They're going back there for a Christmas play, and it's going to be great. Video cameras everywhere. So God bless them and all the children. Everybody say with me, Christmas is a two-act play. Act one was the babe born in Bethlehem. Act two is the second coming of Jesus to earth. That's act two. But not as a sacrificial lamb. That's not how he's coming back. He will return as the Lion of Judah, the conquering Messiah, the King of all kings, the Lord of all lords. He will come back to rule. He will not come back to die. He already did it he'll come back to rule the earth that's act two and that's what the messiahs didn't understand that's what they didn't get but that's what god wants us to understand it's a two-act play and act two can take place anytime now the lights are dimming in the auditorium i can almost hear the ushers saying return to your seats the second half is about to begin The players are in place for the final scene. The curtain is about to rise. Do you know that, church? Do you know that Jesus is about to come back again? The same way he came once and was born in Bethlehem. The little baby born in a manger. The same prophet Isaiah and others said he will come a second time to rule over a new earth and to judge the nations and we are about to go into act two it's been intermission time in a normal intermission you go get popcorn you go get drinks you take a restroom break whatever but in this intermission god has given it to us to give us time to be saved and this intermission is about to be up now i want you to listen very carefully to me today because you're not in a church that has walked away from the word of god i'm going to tell you what the word of god says about act two Are you ready? Let's take a look at what the prophets had to say about act two, starting with the greatest prophet of all, the Lord Jesus Christ, the greatest prophet of all who talked about his return more than anyone in the Bible. On learning that Jesus was about to be taken away from them, his sad disciples were comforted with a promise by the mouth of Jesus. He said, let not your heart be troubled. In my father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. And they were comforted by that word. Now I want you to notice what Jesus said. You believe in God? Believe also in me. I'm going to come again. Again, a second time. And I'm going to take you To where I am in glory. That's at two. In another place, he said, the Son of Man shall come in his glory. And all the holy angels with him. Then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. And before him shall be gathered all nations. Notice he said, the Son of Man shall come again in his glory. In another place, he said, in the future you will see me the Son of Man, sitting at God's right hand in the place of power and coming back on the clouds of heaven. Jesus is about to come back. Some of you it's a warning, some of you it's good news, and all of you listening by radio, I want you to know the Bible is very clear that Isaiah's prophecies and all the prophets who spoke about Messiah prophesied he would come once to die for our sins and come twice come again, come a second time, to take his church to glory and to judge the nations of the world. When the Thessalonian Christians were filled with grief, as they buried their loved ones who had hoped to be alive when Jesus returned, Paul gave them this promise. He said, guess what? Don't worry about it. The dead in Christ are going to rise. And together with the living, be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. Now, I want you to hear that for a moment. We're talking about a cataclysmic, amazing event that I'm going to describe in greater detail in just a moment. But catch this now. He said there is going to be a rapture, a catching away, a catching up. Jesus is going to come back to the earth. And so Paul said when that happens, when we are caught up to meet the Lord in the air... Paul said, so shall we ever be with the Lord, and I want you to comfort each other with these words. Your grandmother, your parents, your children, those who have died in Christ and are in a grave right now, the Bible says those who have died in Christ are going to hear the sound of Jesus' voice. Just like Lazarus heard the sound of Jesus' voice, Lazarus, come forth, and I'd like that he named him by name. If he hadn't named him by name, everybody dead in that cemetery would have come out. So he named him by name. I have seen that Jesus never could preach a good funeral. He always ended up raising them from the dead because he's the resurrection and the life. And I'm telling you in all sincerity, he's coming back and when he does, those who have died in Christ according to the Bible are going to be raised up out of the grave. And those of us who are alive on the earth looking for the coming of the Lord, will be caught up, raptured, pulled up into glory by the power of God, and we will meet those who have died in Christ in the air. There will be a reunion, and that's what the Bible promises. (laughs) Comfort one another with these words. When Jesus was ascending into heaven, as the disciples looked on, two angels suddenly appeared and said, Men of Galilee, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. On the lonely island of Patmos, the old disciple John was told by Jesus in a vision, Surely I come quickly. And John's longing response echoes through the ages. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. If you're a child of God, you ought to be getting excited because Jesus said, when all these signs of my appearing are happening around you, you ought to lift up your heads, for your redemption is drawing nigh. Well, what did he mean by that? He meant, I'm about to return. God's about to turn to the sun and say, go get your bride. And he's going to come back. And there's going to be a second appearance of Christ to the earth. This is the promise of God. That's why I tell you Christmas is a two-act play. We've only seen act one. Act two is about to take place. And in the same way he came in act one, he's coming in act two. As surely as the prophet spoke, Jesus will come again. The Old Testament prophet Zechariah predicted that Jesus would return to the Mount of Olives. He said, thus says the Lord my God, all the saints and God will come again. And in that day, His feet, that is Christ's feet, the Messiah's feet, will stand on the Mount of Olives. And where was Jesus when He ascended into heaven and told His disciples, Goodbye, go preach the gospel? And the angels appeared and said He's going to come back. in the same way He left, He was standing on the Mount of Olives. And Zechariah says he'll come back on the Mount of Olives. He will stand on the Mount of Olives. It will divide from east to west. And I could preach on that on the coming of Jesus again. But I'm I'm going through, I'm skipping through the details, sort of skimming it. I want you to understand today, Christmas is not over yet. Christmas is not done yet. It's not completed yet. Now you say, well, Pastor Jeff, this is pretty heavy stuff. What is it going to be like? What exactly will happen? When Jesus returns, what is it going to to be like? What are we going to experience? Well, the Bible says some things about that. It says, first of all, when Christ returns, it will be sudden. It will be sudden. The Bible says, quote, it will happen in a moment in the blink of an eye when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. And we who are living will also be transformed he said in a moment in the bat of an eye the flash of an eye the blink of an eye it will happen quickly that word moment is taken from the greek word atomos and it means we get atom from that word and it means a moment of time that is so fast you can't divide it faster than a blink faster than the gleam in somebody's eye suddenly he will return it will be sudden the second thing about the return of christ millions of people worldwide will suddenly vanish without a trace. Jesus warned of this very thing. You think, I'm preaching something strange. It ought not be strange to you at all. Jesus said, when the Son of Man returns, it's going to be like it was in Noah's day. In those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered into his boat. People didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away because the flood was sudden. This is the way, Jesus goes on to say, this is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. And then he didn't stop there. He gave a graphic description of what it will be like. He said two men will be working together in the field. One will disappear. The other will be left. Two women will be grinding flour at the mill. One will disappear. The other will be left. When the rapture of the church takes place, when Jesus comes again, those who have put their faith in him will instantly be transformed and be given bodies like his. Glorified bodies. You're not going to have to go to Elaine Powers anymore or Curves. Glorified bodies that can eat food but walk through a door without the door being open. The same kind of body that Jesus had when he was resurrected from the dead, is a prototype of the body we will have. A glorified body. It won't age. It won't get sick. It will not get depressed. It will be instantly and completely restored as Adam and Eve's bodies were before the fall. In their book, Bible Prophecy 101, Bruce Bickle and Stan James lay out the following scenario of what it might be like when Jesus returns to gather his people. Listen carefully, because this is act two. Jumbo jets plummet to earth as they no longer have a pilot at the controls. Driverless buses, trains, subways, and cars will cause unimaginable disaster. Classrooms will suddenly be without teachers. Doctors and nurses seem to abandon their patients in the middle of surgical operations, and patients will vanish from operating tables. Children will disappear from their beds. People run through the streets looking for missing family members who were there just moments ago. Panic grips every household, city, and country. Suddenly in the bat of an eye, Christ will come and millions will disappear off the planet. This is act two, the second coming of Jesus to earth. Based on Jesus' own predictions, husbands will awaken to an empty bed beside them. Sobbing wives will search in vain for missing husbands and children. The missing persons bureau of police stations all over the world will be flooded with frantic phone calls. People will disappear from India, China, Africa, Europe, America, everywhere. Instantly, inexplicably, without a trace all of the 24-hour news channels will be dominated by what they may dub the Great Disappearance. Conspiracy theories will flourish. I can only imagine some of them. Everything from alien abductions to massively politically driven kidnappings designed to overthrow the world order will be considered. One of the Antichrist's great jobs, great challenges, will be to do explain away the disappearance of all those people. This is Act 2 of the Christmas story. He came once as a baby in Bethlehem. He's coming again as the ruling King of kings, Lord of lords over all things. Rather than a little baby born in a manger, born quietly behind the no-vacancy Bethlehem Holiday Inn with hardly... This same Jesus will return to earth to gather his people and judge a Christ-rejecting world as surely as you're sitting in your seat. Now let me explain something to you. The prophets were forecasters of future events. You know, a couple days ago, when it was 76 out, I went for a walk with my dog and I ran across a friend of mine in his golf cart And he was out with another guy, and they were golfing. And I got to talking to him, and I said, well, hey, I didn't think I'd see you out here today. And he said, well, we're we're getting the golfing in before that cold front hits. Well, how do you know the cold front's coming? Because the meteorologist told us so. It may be beautiful. It's nice. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. The birds are singing, and the sun is shining. It's pleasant. It's gorgeous. I'm wearing shorts. But the forecaster said... There is a bitter cold front company coming, and now watch, I believed him, and so therefore I have made decisions based on the forecast. Because I know though I don't feel it, see it, sense it, all I have is a forecast, I know That because of their instrumentation, they have been able to see that a vicious, bitter, icy cold front is coming. So I'm going to have all the fun I can have before it hits. The prophets of God were also forecasters. But they didn't read meteorological instruments. It says the Spirit of Christ was in them and forecasted these events. Jesus spoke about this, and Jesus said, you find it easy enough to forecast the weather, why can't you read the signs of the times? I'm telling you folks, look around you. Jesus is near, even at the door. Prophecies that needed to take place before we could really consider this have all taken place. There is not one thing waiting to take place for Christ to come and take his church away. It could happen before I'm done preaching, and if I disappear and you're still sitting there, Or worse yet, if I'm still preaching and you disappear. (laughs) Jesus will return just as he forecasted. Let me ask you a question. When you have leaned on what Jesus said, did it turn out to be true? When he told you that you needed to be born again and you came to him and, and received forgiveness of sins, Did he not fill you with the Holy Spirit and give you a brand new life? Has he changed you? Has he answered your prayers? Have you found the word of God to be true? Have you found the red ink, the words of Jesus, to be true? Well, if he was true about that, Jesus forecasted his return. The born-again church of Jesus Christ will be taken to heaven to be with Jesus just prior to the worst hell on earth the world has ever seen. It's called the Great Tribulation. And for the first time in my preaching career of 37 years, I was really thinking somebody might find this CD after the return of Christ. And if you have, who knows? You're in a very different world now from the one that existed before the disappearance of all those millions of people. Events are changing before your eyes. Let me talk to you a minute. You haven't found this CD, my mistake. Right now there is more than likely great confusion, but there is one voice above all others that the networks really love and they're giving credence to. It's a man, attractive, charismatic, persuasive, And he is saying that there is an answer. And he is explaining away the disappearance. That's Antichrist. You are more than likely looking at him and listening to him. We are not here. We are in heaven. We are with the Lord Jesus Christ who came and took us away. And that's where all the people went that you're wondering about. Maybe you had a loved one, sir or ma'am, who was always telling you about Jesus. And now you can't find them. That's because they have been raptured away, believe it or not. I know it's hard for you to believe. More than likely, America is merging with a United States of Europe of some kind. That same man is trying to get you to uh, accept a universal currency, probably the euro dollar. You don't know what to do or where to turn, and there is a panic rising up in you because you're remembering things you heard warnings from your loved ones that if you didn't come to Christ there would one day be a judgment and you thought they were crazy when they told you he was going to come back and take them away well he has but I've got hope for you the Bible says there will be tribulation saints people who are going through the great tribulation who somehow remember the words of Jesus Christ, remember what their loved ones told them, and they begin to repent. I tell you, sir, ma'am, repent. Come to Christ, there is hope. You can still be saved. You can still be saved. But if you do know that that man that comes into rulership out of of the world, seemingly rising out of nowhere, he will rise out of Europe... He will rise out of nowhere. Suddenly he will be there and seem to have all the answers. That man is going to release an edict someday. You will soon hear of it, friend, that you're going to have to take a mark on your hand or your forehead or you can't buy or sell anything. Don't take it or you will be damned forever. Don't take it. God will take care of you. God will watch over you. You will pay a price for your faith. He will hound you, hunt you, track you down, persecute you, and you may give your life for your faith. Hang on tight because in a very short time, seven years at the most, Christ is going to come back and shut him down and bring peace to the world. You can hang on that long. So hold on, friend, and don't give up. Know that all your loved ones are in heaven and we're waiting to see you again. Let the blood of Jesus cover you. Amen. I have never preached that message, but somehow I feel an anointing to do it and I might do it some more. You say, Pastor Jeff, isn't this kind of melodramatic? Aren't you being a little too serious? Do you really believe this? How can this possibly happen? Well, there's already been two dress rehearsals. In Hebrews 11:5, we're told of an Old Testament man named Enoch who was snatched from the earth by God himself. It says, "By faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him." For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Yeah. Enoch walked with God, and the Bible says and he was not. He walked with God and he was not. Notice it says he was not found indicating people had searched for him but couldn't find him because God had taken him. There will be huge searches for people who are not on planet earth and they will not be found. And the prophet Elijah was also taken from the earth without, without ever dying. The Bible records, quote, Then it happened as Elijah and Elisha continued on and talked that suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire and separated them Two will be working in the field. One left, one taken. Separated them, and Elijah went up into heaven by a whirlwind. He never tasted of death. Two types and shadows and pictures of the rapture. You say, how in the world can God pull that off? How can he take us up into heaven? Oh. Paul says, by the same power with which he holds the universe together. Philippians 3.21 says, He will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own, using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. God said, Let there be light and there was light. Let there be elephants and there were elephants. Let there be stars and there were stars. Let he flung the sun into space flung the moon into space, scooped out the valleys for the oceans. He spoke, and you and I came to be. That same God can say, come up hither. Now you say, but Jeff, come on, it's been over 2,000 years. Nothing like this has ever happened. It's a pipe dream. It's a fable. It's a myth. It's for people who are weak. Peter anticipated your response. He said, most importantly, I want to remind you that in the last days, scoffers will come mocking the truth and following their own desires. They will say, what happened to the promise that Jesus is coming again? From before the times of our ancestors, everything has remained the same since the world was first created. Do you hear them? Life is just the same old, same old. There's nothing new. It's never going to happen. Come on, get off it, get real. But Peter goes on and explains, don't ignore this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. Over 2,000 years have passed since Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead. That's a long time to us, but to God, it's last Friday. Let me give you an illustration. Kathy's grandmother, Mickey, how old was she? 102. Two months shy of 103 when she died, when she fell asleep her spirits with the Lord now but anyway here's Mickey 102 years old now let's just say I had 20 Mickeys 20 grandmas and lined them all up I could put them right here on the stage and here's the one that just died right here and way down here is the 20th and just 20 grandmas down Jesus was on the cross not so long 20 grandmas away Jesus was on the cross and God says one day two days blink blink so what God is saying is 2,000 years is not that long to me I am long suffering not wanting anyone to perish but that all would come to the knowledge of the truth Now i got to get to the hard part, and I'm going to close with this. Who will be taken and who will be left behind? In Act 2 of the Christmas story, who will be taken and who will be left behind? I'm not going to deliver to you what the Bible delivers to me. I'm going to tell you what the Bible says. It's crystal clear on this. Only those who have turned to Christ by faith for the forgiveness of their sins will be taken in the rapture of the church. Well-intentioned people will not be taken. People who have embraced other faiths and other other saviors will not be taken. I want to remind you of the words of Jesus. He said, you believe in God, believe also in me. So the you are those who have believed also in him. It is those to whom he said, I go to prepare a place for you. And I will come again and receive you that where I am, you may be also. Who's the you? Those who have believed also in him. Paul said the same thing. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose from the dead, we also believe the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. He said, first, the Christians who have died will rise from their graves then together with them we who are still alive and remain in the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air who's he talking to he is saying those who have believed that Jesus died and rose from the dead those are the ones he's going to say come up hither well pastor that's not fair that's totally fair The message has gone to you and your children's children. The message has gone to the entire world. Repent and be saved through the blood of Christ. Hugging a tree won't save you. Good intentions won't save you. Can I tell you what the Bible says? The Bible says your good works won't save you. Never getting a traffic ticket won't save you. Never cussing won't save you. Never smoking or chewing or running with the boys that doing will save you. Only one thing saves you. When you call on Christ to forgive you of your sins, He puts His Spirit inside of you and you are marked. <clears throat> Act 1, the Christmas story was a rescue mission, and I'm going to close with this. we got to get in our minds it was not all about gifts and candy and lights and Christmas trees and vacation time. Christmas was a rescue mission to save us from the judgment that is coming. In Act 1, the rescuer was sent. Jesus Christ, God's Son. Then there was an intermission of over 2,000 years, 20 grandmas. The Bible says that that time period has been given by God to give men everywhere time to accept the rescuer, Jesus Christ. Act 2 is going to take place to complete the rescue by taking the rescued to heaven. We are right now in the closing moments of the intermission. The lights are dimming. God is offering salvation to anyone who will take it, but the final grains of sand are sifting through the hourglass of time. Here's the Bible warning. Judgment is coming to the earth as certainly as the forecast of a cold front has come true. Jesus not only came to give us a new life on earth, that's great, but you're also going to have trials and tribulation. But He really came to rescue us from the wrath of God that is coming to judge the world. Do you know that today? Listen to the Bible. And God will come with His mighty angels in flaming fire, bringing judgment. On who? Listen. Those who don't know God and on those who refuse to obey the good news of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with eternal destruction forever, forever Forever, separated from the Lord and from His glorious power. Heavy words. Sobering words. Words that every pulpit in this country ought to be preaching. Listen to what the Bible says further. I solemnly urge you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus who will someday judge the living and the dead when He appears to set up His kingdom. And again, the Bible says, this is the message, I proclaim, Paul, that the day is coming when God, through Christ Jesus, will judge everyone's secret life. It's coming. The cold front is coming. Act two could happen before you get home. Well, Pastor Jeff, thank you for this wonderful news on Christmas. (laughs) It ought to be good news to you. If you know the Lord, it ought to excite you and stir you. Because any day now, He's coming back. If you don't know Him, where do you stand as Acts 2? Part 2 of the play, as it approaches, where do you stand? If on the way home he came back, would you go? You listening by radio before you get home from wherever you're driving, if it happened, would you go? Would your car be vacated? Could you get home to an empty house? It's going to happen. Out of Noah's day, only eight people were saved. Out of Sodom and Gomorrah, only three. Because they didn't believe the warning. I'm going to tell you, folks, he's about to come again. Can we stand? Well, Pastor Jeff, if this is true, I better go witness. Yeah! (laughs) What about my loved ones? Pray for them. Get them this CD. Darum, double-dog Darum, to listen to it. I'm believing in the year 2009, our church is going to see large numbers of people saved. Large numbers. We ought to be witnessing like there's no tomorrow because there's maybe not. Could you bow with me for a moment of prayer? Lord, I thank you for the clear word of God that Act 2 is on the horizon. And Lord, these are perilous times. And we're asking you right now, Lord God, help us to be ready, first of all, and help us to share with others the good news that Jesus Christ came to save us from the wrath to come. He's the rescuer. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you can say, Pastor Jeff, I'm not sure that the mark of salvation is on me. I want to know that I know that I know that if he came back today, I would be taken to heaven. Or you used to walk with him and you've gotten away. Isn't it time to come back? Isn't it time to get ready? You know, you can do that today. You can leave this building knowing that there is peace with you and God. You can say, Pastor, I'm in one of those two categories, and I, I just I want to pray. I'll let you pray with me. I want to be certain I've got peace with God. Could you just raise your hand right where you are? Raise it and let me pray with you. Real good and high, let me see you. God bless you. God bless you. Bless you. I'm gonna do something. At the close of this service, I'm gonna ask you, if you can say, Pastor, I just want to be sure I'm right. I want to be sure my life is in the will of God. I want to be sure that Jesus is Lord of my life. I want you to slip out and come down here right now. Just slip out and come. Don't worry about what people think. It doesn't matter what people think, it matters what God thinks. I want you to slip out and come. And we're gonna wait for you for just a moment. You say well, why should I have to come down there? Well, everybody that Jesus had talked to in the New Testament, he addressed them publicly. And there's something about just coming down and saying, I need him, I need to be sure, that settles it in your life. So I'm going to wait for just a moment, and I want you to come. Come now, and let's settle it today. Let's sing, Joe.